Today's Sunday sermon has been made possible by the members of Southside Christian Fellowship Church and listeners like you. Thank you so much for your continued prayerful and financial support of this ministry. If you'd like to learn more about what we do and how to get involved, or simply want to give a gift, please just go to our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net today. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So Lord, we just, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to preach today. So Lord, I'm inviting you, Holy Spirit, to come and have your way here. Father of glory, Father of light, I pray for illumination. I pray that your light will just flood every heart right here, right now. Lord, that they would have a greater understanding of the authority and the power that you have given to the church, your church, the body of Christ. So, Father, that we would begin to move in that authority, that we would begin to declare what you already declare. Lord, that we would see the kingdom of God come and the will of God be done. Let the church say, eh? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Hallelujah. You know, this morning, I, uh, I'm so excited, you know, because, you know, here's what the, what the Lord usually do with me. He, um, he would have me, he would give me a message, and then I would sit down and I write the message, and then after that, he'll wake me up way, way, way early in the morning. He says, let's make some corrections. <laughs> you know, so, so I'm really excited. I have quite a few um, things to share with you but in the order that the Lord would have me to share them. So this morning I want to talk to you on this subject, walking in victory through exercising your God-giving authority. Your God-giving authority. You know, beloved, let me tell you this, and I'm not trying to be rude or anything like that. If you I, I, I just want to encourage myself and encourage you. Because we are the people of God. Amen. We have been called for such a time as this. You know, we have been anointed. We have been filled with the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And God already declared what, what, who and where we're going. He's already paved the, the way for us. And so this morning, we have a choice to believe it or not believe it. And me, I, I, I choose to believe that I am here on the earth for such a time as this. Because I'm sick and tired of whiny Christians. You know, Christians that just whine and cry every day talking about what the devil is doing to them. But let me tell you this. You know, God has given you the church the keys. The keys. He says, I have given you the keys. You have the keys, the power, the authority to rule on his behalf here on the earth. So, so I want to begin by asking this question. Who has the power to command others? Who has the power to command others? What gives some people the right to summon somebody else, to call somebody else, to do certain things? Who gives the mother 
the father, the policeman, the supervisor, the authority to be able to call people into account. The Bible says that all authority, all authority come from God. God is the one who gives the authority to men. And so, therefore, you know, he gives you the authority for a specific reason. The authority is not for you to rule your affairs, but it is for you to rule the affairs of men. I mean, excuse me, the affairs of God. It is for you to rule the affairs of God. It's not for you to rule his, your own affair, the authority. You know, let me, let me just break it down a little bit. Some people are very easy to kind of get into the program. For instance, you know, when we're talking about authority, you know, we can see authority all around us. Ever since we were a baby to the time we die, we will be under authority. Do you believe that? Yeah. Eh? So, you know, when you're a baby, God put over you your mother and your father. And for the rest of your life, you will have your mother and your father as your elders. And then, you know, we later on go to school and, and, and we, we meet our teachers. And the teachers are in charge now. And then after that, we get a little bit older. We get to go to, to work. And the, the supervisor is in charge. And then, and then you fool around, you get married. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Some of you will get that you know, next week. But anyway, but the, thing, the, the, the point that I'm trying to make is this. Authority comes this way. God, the authority comes from God. He gives us the authority. And then the authority that the Lord has given us, but we must never forget that we ourselves, we are under authority. This morning, as I was looking at the, some of the words that are synonymous to the word authority, and when I pull them, I don't have to read them to you, I'm not surprised because these are the kind of words that I expect to be in line with, with the word authority. But there's one particular word that God had given me, uh, gave me, the Holy Spirit shared with me this morning, you know, and I never really thought about it, and, and I'm sure you probably haven't either. And it's the word submission. Submission. You know, if you are in authority, you are also under submission. Are you, are you with me? You're under submission. Because, let me tell you something, because the authority that you have, it did not come from you. It comes from somebody above you. Am, am, I, am I with you? Am I, am I doing good so far? And then so, the same, so you always, as long as you are in line with the one that's in, you know, above you, then you can expect those that are coming under you because you have authority now, remember. You, you got your authority from the Lord, 
And so now the Lord gives you this authority to do what? To take care of his business for him, right? And then so now you're going to have people under you, and those people under you are going to, you know, you're going to want them to respect your authority, right? But, but remember first, you have got to line yourself up under the authority of God. You know, there was a story in the Bible where a man came to Jesus, a soldier, a centurion, came to Jesus, and then he asked Jesus to do something for him, to heal somebody. I mean, I think it was uh, his servant that was sick. And, and the, you know, and Jesus said, and Jesus says, yeah, no problem, no problem, I'll come with you. And the centurion says to Jesus, you don't need to come. I just need you to say the word. I just need you to say the word. And he says, because I, I am a man in authority, but I have people under me who are under my authority. I say to this servant, go. And they go. I say to that servant, do this. And then they do that. And so Jesus says, you know, I have never seen anyone in Israel with such faith. So he equates the word authority with the word faith. You see, because, you know, another for you to obey someone, another for you to, to, to submit to someone, you're going to have to have to believe in that person, right? You're going to have to have faith in that person. So this morning, I, I, want, I, want, I want to take us back to looking at the ministry of Jesus. Okay, remember, Jesus came, not as God, but as a man. Hang in there, I'm going somewhere. He came not as God, but as a man. As a man. And, you know, and before, before I get there, I want, I, there's another point I wanted to make about the, this authority that God has given us, you know, and, I, and I want, I'm going to be a little bit biased, you know, about that because, you know, when we're talking about a family, we're talking about husband and wife, a mom and dad, but, you know, for some reason it looks like the, the women got it. It looks like the Lord built them with a, with a mechanism inside of them to know exactly when to initiate, to activate that authority. Let me give you an example. You know, after you get married, it was just the two of you, but after a while you, have, you decided to have children. And then you have a child. And when you have that child, you know, uh, and, you know, as long as the baby is a tiny little baby, you know, just like a little cute little baby, and, you know, no, you know, just like kissing the baby and everything. But, you know, but the baby grow, you know, get older, begin to get older, right? And so... For some reason, the mom knows exactly when to, when her, when, when to take authority. Okay, let, let, me, let me tell you uh, why. The, the moment that the child becomes, like, for instance, maybe about 18 months old to two years old, the whole, her whole ton of voice begins to change. A am I right or wrong? The mom, you know, because it's not that, you know, she doesn't love that child, but this child at that moment started developing his or her own, you know, uh, habits. And then they, 
unless someone who has authority begins to tell he or she what to do, then things could go bad. So the mom immediately will take authority. Not that the dad doesn't. You know, I mean, I, I remember when, when I have kids, you know, my wife will just tell when, when, when we were started with, you know, having children. And my wife, you know, she was the strict one. She was the, you know, she's very organized. She knows um, when to put the baby to bed and everything. I mean, as long as she's home, everything is perfect. But whenever she's gone, let me tell you something, the house turned into a zoo. You know, everything is upside down. But the moment she walked in in the house, you know, look, fix this. You know, and then she will say, you know what? I'm not going to tell you this another time. You know what's going to come next, right? It's time out. And the child will, will, will listen, right? So I believe this is not an accident or coincidence. I believe this is a mechanism that the Lord actually built the women with. They are, you know, not that we don't have it as men, but I think the women, it works um, more natural. Would you agree with that? Would you agree with that with me? You know, I believe that it works more natural with, with, uh, with uh, uh, the women. Doing Jesus' ministry on earth, his authority was manifested in the way he taught. He granted forgiveness of sin. He calmed the, way, the sea, healing all kinds of diseases, casting out demons, and gaining victory over death itself. And, but after Jesus done all this thing, it was time for him to leave the surf. And Jesus made this astonishing statement. And you may have read it, but I got to think about it, the God, you know, this morning we talk about it. So many people here quoted, I was in the Bible study, and people were quoting that scripture, and here, and here we're talking about Jesus, the creator. Jesus, the creator, the, you know, John chapter 1, and the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He says, it says in, 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 um, in um, Hebrew that he, he is before all things. You know, he's before, in Colossians, it says that he, Jesus, was before the beginning. He created all these things, and not only that, he, not only that he created all things, but he's holding all things together, right, by the word of his power. So, it tells me that Jesus had all power, if he created the heavens and the earth, right? He created all things. So, when Jesus made this statement, and this is the passage that I'm going to begin with. It's Matthew, the 28th chapter, beginning with verse 16 to 20. And Jesus um, was talking to, to the 11 uh, disciples. He says, uh, he, you know, he, he went with them to, um, he told them to, they were meeting uh, um, to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. Verse 17. And, then he, and, he, and when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubt. And Jesus came to them and says, All authority and power. He says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. 
therefore go. He says, all authority has been given to me. Which make me to think about this. Why would Jesus need additional authority? Was he not already have all authority? Have you ever talked about that? He says, all authority in heaven and earth. All authority in heaven and earth was, is giving to me. What in the world is Jesus is saying? You know, you would think that he already have all authority in heaven and on earth. After all, the Bible says, before all things were made, there was God, the Son, the second person of the Trinity. You know, he is co-equal with, you know, with God the Father and the Spirit. He says that the, the Bible says that the Son of God had all authority, all power from eternity, and he demonstrated that authority in, in creation of, of the heavens and on the earth. He is the Logos, the Word of God, by whom all things were made and by whom the universe holds together. When speaking of supremacy, the apostles declares, as I, as I said uh, a little while ago in Col Colossians 1, 16 to 17, it says, By him all things were created and in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. It says, Whether throne or dominion or rulers or authority, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things holds together. So another word, Jesus says, All authority, all authority in heaven and on earth. Earth has been given to me, but yet the Bible says that he holds all things together by the power of his word. What in the world? If Jesus stops speaking right now, the world will cease to exist. You know, the angels, you know, will just disappear. Everything will cease to exist. We would not, you know, there would be no life. But yet he said, what is he talking about? What is he talking about? What, what did Jesus receive? What, but let me rephrase it. Why did Jesus, the question that I'm asking me and I'm asking all of us, what did Jesus receive? Why did Jesus have to receive all authority when according to the, this, these passages, that we just read, stated that Jesus, the Son of God, already possessed all authority he needed in heaven and earth. You know, it's not, it's not bad to ask questions, you know. It's not bad to ask questions. You know, I mean, the Bible is full of questions. God asks questions. You know, I was at the house of prayer up in, uh, in, in Conyers this week, and um, as I walked in, in the house of prayer, they were doing a devotional set, and they were talking about Psalm 2, which is one of the psalms that I absolutely love, that I spent so much time in the psalm because I pray, just like we're praying over Israel, this is one of the psalms that I pray over the nations. But the psalm started with this word. Why? Why do the nations, why do the nations conspire against the Lord? And against his anointed. He, who, you know who's asking this question? Why? Is, why is the nation? It's God asking that. God is asking this question. Why do the nations 
Why do the people come together against me and against my anointed Jesus Christ? So I begin to think about that. And then I said, Lord, why do you want me to highlight this word why? He says, well, let me tell you why. He says, have you ever been, you know, has your children ever done something to you, something that is so difficult for you to receive, something that is so hard that it left you just shocked? You know, and all you can say is, why? Why? Why did you do this? What were you thinking? Why did you do that? Have I not been, you know, everything to you? Have I not given you everything? Have I not been here for you, standing with you, carrying you through? Have I not done all this? Why have you done this? I believe that's what the father was asking. He's asking when he says why. And then he reminded me, one time I was sitting in in my kitchen at home. I was just sitting there just, just, you know, just relaxing. And then um, I had my phone, so I was scrolling in YouTube, just checking out videos and things like that. And I stumbled on a video (coughs) that says Isaiah 53. The forbidden chapter. I'm like, what in the world? Why is Isaiah 53 is forbidden? For who? And then so I was prompted to look into it. And when I look into this, to look into the video, I look at this was a young Messianic Jew who's walking in the streets of Jerusalem and is asking this question to everybody. What, does, what is this Isaiah 53? means to you? What, who, who is it that they're talking about? Who is this Messiah that they are talking about? And then so he's getting, he's getting you know, uh, opinion, you know, answers from many all types of people, including ultra-conservative rabbi. He's asking, who is this Messiah? And people will say, well, I don't know. Some of them will say, they're talking about maybe the Messiah. You know, someone said, well, I think they're talking about you know, Yeshua or whatever. You know, I mean, people were, everybody was giving their own opinion. And so Isaiah 53 is one of the blessing passage, you know, uh, chapters, including Isaiah 61, and there are many others, where they would go to the temple and they would read this as a blessing over the people. But because it has so much revelation in it, concerning the Messiah, Jesus Christ. You know, we are at a time of the end. You know, Daniel 12, 4 says that the generation that will see the return of Jesus Christ will experience an explosion of knowledge. Even the church, as we speak right now, there is a knowledge that is being unfolded before us. And those Jews who do not know the Messiah, this come about to them, they see it. They say, well, this is, you know, this may be the Jesus that the same way they crucify Jesus in those days, the same well, we don't want these people to fool around with these passages. We might as well bend it. We might as well say that it is forbidden and that they cannot watch, they cannot read it. So all of a sudden, I'm sitting there on, my, you know, on the table, and I broke into crying. 
I was crying big time. And I had no idea why was I crying. I, I didn't know. It just all of a sudden, tears started coming out of my eyes, and I'm crying, and I'm like, what in the world? I said, God, what is going on with me? Holy Spirit tells me. Tell me what's going on. He says to me, how many times you pray that I would break your heart with the things that breaks my heart? He says, this breaks my heart. It breaks my heart that the people do, that, I, that I love, that I have chosen, they have rejected me. They have done everything possible to get me out of their lives. And I want to tell you something else that breaks God's heart this morning. Is, a, you know, is whiny Christians who do not know that they have power, they have authority from heaven. We have authority from heaven. Jesus says all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And I'm giving it to you, the church. You know, we are not a bunch of fat cats sitting on this in this club, you know, in, in this country club, and just singing beautiful song and waiting for God to call us. We are here on assignment. Amen. Let me tell you, the devil only has the authority that you've given him. The devil does not have authority over the church. As a matter of fact, the Lord says, that I have given you the keys of the kingdom. He says, the gates of hell shall not prevail. He, is, he didn't say that, you know, maybe in certain situations. No, he said it shall not. Amen. The gates of hell. So you need to quit whining. You, keep, you need to quit complaining and saying everything is the devil, is the devil, is the devil. You know, you guys bring the devil in every situation. You talk about the devil, the devil take this, the devil, the devil does not have the authority to, if he did, he would have killed you already. He would have killed you already. So why did Jesus say all authority in, in, in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Let me ask you this question. Did Jesus use all of his authorities that he had? So now he, he just went out of authority. He was depleted. And now that he wanted to replenish his authority, what do you think? I don't think so. Here's the answer. The authority and power that Jesus received, after, you know, on the cross, after, you know, when he, got, when he was resurrected, was not for himself. But it was for us. The authority that Jesus received was not for himself. But it was for us. Secondly, the authority and power that Jesus received from the Father, he received it not as God, but as a man. Only a man with the help of God could have restored what another man had destroyed. Are you with me this morning? 
Here's what Satan doesn't want you to know. Satan doesn't want you to know that a man from a little town called Nazareth whooped him, defeated him, destroyed him. He conquered hell, he conquered death, and he conquered the grave. It was a man. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I remember once upon a time, I was in a situation. You know, God was preparing me for my ministry. You know, when I find out where the Lord was going to take me, you know, first of all, for the sake of time, I'm not going to share this testimony with you, but when God, God invited me into to this journey, and he called me to go serve him in Haiti. I talked to my wife on the basis of everything that I was hearing from the Lord. She wasn't there yet, but she was about to get there. Anyway, so she had not been to Haiti from this point. So the Lord called me to Haiti. He gave me a big ministry. He gave me a lot of responsibility. He gave me authority. He says, I want you to go. I want you to go do this work for me. And um, so in this time, you know, I mean, people want to go out. They want to go do ministry, but they have no authority, right? They have no power. There are people, they say, well, they hear the word ministry. The first thing they hear is money. Of course, you do need money to, to carry out the work, you know, to do things. I, too, was thinking about, you know, if I'm going to do ministry in Haiti, I'm going to need money to be able to purchase um, a facility, you know, where I can host people, host the presence of the Lord. And then so it happened that as I was praying and waiting for provision, I prayed, I prayed, I prayed. There was no provision, nowhere, no, you know, ever. Not even a dollar. And one, you know, but earlier I had made a promise. Five years prior I had made a promise to the Lord when, I, when the Lord blessed me with a home. I said, God, this is your house. You take this house and you do whatever with it, you want with it. But I knew not that five years prior, Later, God is, was going to tell me, look, you're waiting for provisions. You told me that house was mine. That's the house I want you to sell for the provision for, to go start this ministry. But anyway, I realized that I didn't just need money. I did sell the house, by the way. But that, I didn't just need money. I needed training. I needed training. God is not going to set you in ministry without training you. Gonna, and sometimes, let me tell you something, the training is not just sitting in a seminary where, where guys are just reading, you know, books to you and stuff like that. The trainings are trainings, you know, where you go, you know, it's a baptism of fire. You go to the desert, you know what I mean? He goes and shows you how to, how to, how to serve, how, be, how to become a servant. And I was going through this situation, and it was heavy, demonic situation. There are times when I thought that I was going to die. Believe you me. I mean, I have seen things. If I tell you about those things, you probably would say that I have smoked funny cigarette and I inhale. 
But I'm going to tell you this. The Lord is will. The Lord is will. The Lord is true. The Lord have all authority. This morning, even as we speak, even as we share this, this is not only for you, but it's for me. And those of you that are watching online right now, I believe that God is about to change the atmosphere of your life. I believe that after today, there's a level of authority that you're going to walk in. Even if you have not started walking in that authority, you're going to want to. Because you've been, on this, you've been in this desert for too long. I believe it's time for breakthrough. I believe it's time for a miracle. And the miracle is called obedience. When you obey God, let me tell you, everything falls into place. So I was praying, God was training me, I'm in this place. By the way, Pastor Herman told me, preach like I'm in Haiti. So I don't know if you translate that, he says, I have all the time in the world. And, and, and this is the Lord's day anyway. So, don't chicken out on me right now, Pastor Herman. Well, anyway, so I was, I was praying. I'm in this training. I'm praying. I'm asking God, are you going to leave me here to die? When are you going to deliver me? I need you to come through for me. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. I can't do it anymore. I'm crying. I'm in my bathroom upstairs. And I'm sitting on the toilet with my Bible. And all of a sudden, God spoke to me. He said, deliver yourself. I said, what you talking about, Willis? <laughs> Those of you that are young, you won't know what I'm talking about. Just ask your father. They'll tell you what that means. Anyway, he said, deliver yourself. The Bible that I had in, in front of me, it was open on Proverbs chapter 6. And it's like the pages, the words started leaping. Leaping. You know, I heard once upon a time a rabbi, you know, a, teach, uh, a pastor was preaching. He was talking about a rabbi. He says that in Hebrew, when they put the words in the, in the Torah, you know, when you're reading the, the, the Torah... The words, the way they position in the page, they look like tongues of fire. You know, it's like every time you look at it, you get a new revelation. <laughs> I have been, I read this thing time and time again. I never heard God speak. But that day, he says to me, look, the breakthrough is with you. You know, David said this morning, you shall know the truth, and the truth shall set you free. How many of you have the truth inside of you this morning? And I'm going to tell you, if you have the truth and you believe the truth, let me tell you something, you're already victorious. Look at your neighbor says, I'm victorious. 
And so I was delivered instantly, instantly, that very moment. Why? Because I had the authority of God inside of me and I had the power of God inside of me. I put the two together and I said, oh, I got it. And the devil flee. Jesus, Jesus sent the 72 out. And they came back. They were so excited. They said, Jesus, this is epic. Like the new, young people would say, this is dope, Jesus. Even, even the demons subject to your name. We just mentioned your name and they, they flee. Jesus says, if you could see it from my perspective, I saw Satan fall down like lightning. You know, even every time you call up upon my name, Satan, I mean, you, you have no idea. It's like, you know, I, I dare you, every one of you, begin to call on Jesus right now. It's like Satan is bouncing like a ball, like that. Every time you call Jesus, he kept falling and falling and falling. That's what Jesus was saying. I mean, there, there is power in the name of Jesus. There was power in his name. So Satan doesn't want you to know that a man, it was a man who defeated him. Of course, it was a man empowered by the Spirit of God. It wasn't the, the man on his own, with his own power, but it was a man ordained by God who was willing to obey God, and God used that man to bring restoration. So if, and the, you know, the, the reason why the devil doesn't want you to know that, because he, he knows if you knew the authority and the power that the Father has invested in you, you would start a revolution you would kick the enemy where it hurts. And he would run, and he would run with his smartphone in his hand, and he would begin to dial 911 for help. <laughs> Beloved, that's not funny. That's the truth. Begin to grab a hold of it. It's not a joke. I'm not telling you a joke this morning. Because let me tell you this, I'm tired. I'm tired of living a defeated life. Jesus conquered the grave. We sing that song. We sung it. He says he has never lost the battle. Is, is that true or is it true? If it's true, why not? Why don't we act like it? You know, we come every Sunday. We come here. We sing the same old song. And we're left here with our problem, the same problem. You know, we left here, we encounter crippled people on the street. People that are strong by drugs and addiction and pornography and all of those things. People that are, that are filled with demons. And it seems like, oh, you know, Jesus loves you, I'll see you later. Jesus said, cast out that demon.
The Bible says when the fullness of God has come, had come, Jesus, the God-man, the God, you know, the second person of the Trinity become a man. He became a man. John 1, 14 says that the word became flesh, and it goes on to say, and he dwelled among us. The Bible says, when the fullness of God, uh, time has come, here's what happened. Here's what, ha what happened. Revelation, Revelation chapter 5, Revelation chapter 5, God saw it. He is the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. He knows the end from the beginning. He saw it all the way from the beginning. He saw that Adam was about to, you know, to, to make a boo-boo. He was about to destroy all humanity. You know what God did? God called a meeting. He says, go ahead and call to me all the elders. Uh, you know, assemble here. Let's have a meeting. Let's talk about this thing. Did you see this? The man Adam is about to allow Satan to rob him from his authority. The authority that I have given him to subdue the earth. Let's go ahead and have a meeting. What should we do? What should we do? We need to prepare. And says, God says, okay, let's put together an angelic committee. And let's go ahead and send them in all over all over the earth, with this message. With this message. And make sure you take the book with you. Take this book and carry it with you. Okay? And here's the message. The message, you ought to go everywhere and say this. Who is worthy? And then when they answer, why? You says, well, there's a book right here which has the title, Deed for Planet Earth. Whoever can open this book and break its seal will have the authority and dominion to rule on the planet. And it has to be a man. It cannot be an angel. It has to be a man. I want you to go to every kingdom on the earth and make sure You, you, you show them this book, and then you make sure you said this word. Who is worthy? So the angels go around. They go around. They go to, to the big kingdom where the monarchs sits, the, all the you know, philosophers and you know, all the you know, uh, astrologers, all of those people. He says, go all over in every kingdom known to men. And you said, you asked this question, who is worthy? Who has the worthiness, the fortification to open this book and break its seal? And so the angels goes around and he did just that. And he found none. There was none fine worthy. So at that moment, there was sadness in heaven. John began to weep. And one of the elders come to him and says, John, do not weep. There is one. There is one. 
His name is Jesus. Jesus, the Son of Man, not the Son of God. Jesus, the Son of Man, not the Son of God. He is worthy. He has conquered. So as a man, Jesus conquered. And he took the keys from death, hell, and the grave. He took the keys of death from Satan's hand. The keys of death, hell, and the grave. And then he took that keys and then he, you know, he handed over to the church. And says, now, church, you rule, you reign on my behalf. Authority and power are two different things. Two different things. And I, I just, I'm just going to go ahead and, and, and you know, I'm going to go ahead and, and move over, you know, a little bit. Cut short my, you know, a little bit on the message because I don't want to keep you guys too much. Authority and power are two different things. Authority and power to be effective to be effective and legitimate, have to work together. What is power? Power is the strength of force needed to rule, but authority is the right to rule. Authority without power is meaningless. Power exercised without authority is morally wrong and evil. So when Satan fell from heaven, he did not lose or gain any more power. But he lost his authority in heaven. And he sought to gain it to Adam. And we all know he did accomplish it. He did accomplish that by, by causing Adam to disobey God. And this morning, I want to tell you something. That the devil does not have authority. What the devil has is ability. The devil has ability, but he does not have authority. That's why you don't have to be afraid of the devil. Let me tell you, Jesus says, Matthew 28, 19, and Jesus came to them and says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. So now, receive it. Receive the authority. How many of you have this authority? Or perhaps maybe you have the authority, you don't know you have the authority. Maybe you have the authority, but it hasn't been activated. I said this a long time ago doing a Bible study here. You know, it's like having a credit card in your pocket. You know, you can have a credit card walking around with it. It has a $100,000 credit limit on it. But until you call the bank and you activate that credit card, it's worth absolutely nothing. Some of you may have authority, but you don't know that. And if you had authority, why not exercising it? Why not use it? So Jesus had promised the disciples also 
You know, remember, he gave them authority first. But he also promised them a baptism of power. Dunamis. Power. Um, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. Um, uh, yeah, 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 that's the word, power. Dunamis. Dunamis, that's power. Yeah. So, it, it, it's not... It's not the power that comes out of a bullet, but it is the divine power. The divine power. Power to break strongholds. Power, you know, to heal the sick. Power to deliver the oppressed. Power to preach the gospel. That's why Paul says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, he says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, because it is the power... Of God unto salvation. Jesus says in Acts 1, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit come upon you. You know, I mean, you have the authority, but you need the power. We got both. We got both. Okay? So the way the system works is that God gave the church a mandate. A mandate is an authorization to execute certain assignment on behalf of the, of the government or the ruling power. The mandate will state what you are to do and by what mean you are to achieve this assignment. And the authorization and the provisions to carry out the work. To Jesus' victory at Calvary, every believer has been granted the permission and the right to rule over the existing power of the devil. The authority we receive means, listen to this, the authority that we receive means that we may do it. <laughs> we may do it. It means we have the right to do it. It means that we are equipped to do it. You know, for instance, let's take the police for, for, for instance. The police have authority from, you know, the, the states. And the states give the police authority. And, you know, they give them a badge. They sworn in and they give them a badge. And on top of that, they give them power. They give them firepower you know, to be able to carry out their duty, right? And so, have you ever run into a policeman who pulled you over, and then you see him trembling and shaking? May I please have your driver's license and your registration? And he's shaking. You'll never see that happen. Because the police actually believe that he has authority to do what he's doing. The police actually believe that he has the power to do what he has been called to do. What he has been entrusted to do. What about you? Do you believe that you have authority? Do you believe that you have power to make Jesus known in the nations and in the nations of the earth? Do you have power? Do you have authority and power to heal the sick? Do you have it? Or do you sit there and you're like trembling before the devil? Yes. 
You know, I've noticed something about the way Jesus operates and the way the disciples operate, namely Peter and John, for instance, and Jesus. <clears throat> Notice that when they are doing the work of God, you never see them going and says, um, you know, Father, I pray right now um, that you will hear me from heaven and then you would do. No, they don't do that. They just says, demon, get out. That's what Jesus did. That's what he did. He said to the man who was blind, he says, receive your sight. Peter and John, on the way to, to church, to the prayer meeting, and saw that crippled man. He says, well, and the man was asking for a little bit of money. Jesus says, well, silver and gold I do not have, but I have something better. Such as I have, I want you to receive it. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. Why do we, the church in the 21st century, or the church in, in the Western world, why do we operate the way we operate? It's like, we, you know, if we tell you there's a demonic spirit right here, I'll tell you what, majority of people just flee. I don't want nothing to do with demonic spirit. Do you? Are you, are you the church or you're not the church? You know, I mean, this place ought to be a hospital. It had to be a center, a safe place where people could come and be set free. But let me tell you something. The same way that the police have, you know, have the state backing them. I want to tell you that you have five powers that are backing you. There are more. But I, I just want to, I'm cutting my message really short. I'll preach it another time. But there are five powers that are backing your authority, and the calling that you have in your life. There is a God in heaven who believes in you. He is not going to let you down. Besides, it's not about you. It was never about you. It's about him. He, he, what he said with his mouth, he says he will accomplish it with his hand. So the first power that backs you up as a child of God you have the throne of God. <laughs> the throne of God. Can you imagine the throne of God, what it looks like? I mean, I don't have time to get into it, but I just want to share this with you. The throne of God is so powerful. So powerful. And, and it's seated in heaven. It's higher than any other throne. And, and the Bible says that in the presence of God, it says... The presence of God sitting on the throne, it's so glorious with, with brightness and so intense that even powerful angels cannot even look. Look at it directly. The throne of God, just, you know, because, you know, it's so powerful. Just that power, and it's surrounded by, you know, another 24 other thrones, you know, that surround that throne. That's the first power. Just know that you are not here just trying to freelance. You know, you are here on assignment. You've been called. 
You've been commissioned, you know, for such a time as this. And the second power that backs you up is the resurrected Christ. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God the Father as a guarantor, the enforcer, the power of the risen Jesus is behind every child of God who's doing the work and the will of God. The third power that you have backing you up is the Word of God. The Word of God, Hebrew chapter, the fourth chapter, verse 12, it says, For the Word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even the, the division of soul and spirit and of joint and marrow. It is a discerner of the thought and intent of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from its sight, but all are naked and open to the eyes of him whom we must give an account. Hallelujah. Woo, glory. It's a good time for you to praise the Lord right now. You know, the, you have another power that backs you up. It's the blood of Jesus. We sung that song, you know, this morning. The blood of Jesus. Oh, I'm telling you, the blood of Jesus. If it wasn't for the blood of Jesus, the devil is terrified of the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is our ticket to, bo to boldly enter into the presence of God. According to Hebrew, the 10th chapter, verse 19 to 22, it says that, And so, dear brothers and sisters, we can boldly enter into heaven, most holy places, because of the blood of Jesus by his death. Jesus opened a new and a life-giving way to the curtain, into the most holy place. And since we have a great high priest who rules over God's house, let us, right, let us go right into his presence, to the presence of God with sincere heart, fully trusting him for our guilty conscience have sprinkled with Christ's blood to make us clean, clean and our bodies have been washed with pure water. The fifth power is the name of Jesus. I don't have to tell you anything about the name of Jesus. I'll tell you what, the name of Jesus is so powerful. There are places in my ministry when I walked in, I can say the name of Mohammed, nothing's going to happen. I can say the name of Buddha, the name of Confucius, the name of Mo Mr. Moon, nothing's going to happen. I can name the name of the biggest, the richest, the most powerful man on the face of the earth. The demon will stand and laugh. But when I say, in the name of Jesus, whoo, let me tell you something. Demons begin to flee. They tremble at the sound of the name of Jesus. The Bible says that every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, just a little homework. As we close, how do we exercise the authority that God has given us? So I'm going to give you a few ways to exercise your authority. The authority is already in you. God is not going to come down from heaven and says, okay, let me give you a new authority. You know, you're not going to get that. You already have, it's either you believe it or you don't. The Bible says 
in the book of Hebrews. He says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. He says whoever come to God must believe that he is, that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. We must believe God. We must know that God is. And so how do we exercise our, our authority? The primary, the very first thing we need to do, we need to become a people of prayer. Got to become a people of prayer. Let me tell you something. You got you to gotta pray. You can't, be, you can't offer God some circumstantial prayer. Oh, you know, when I have time, when I'm in the car, when I'm driving. You know, these are all excuses. I don't say they're not good. You can pray all the time. The Bible says pray without ceasing. Jesus prayed all the time, and he was the son of God. What is our excuse? So if you want to walk in power and authority, you got to make prayer, you know, a, 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 the structure of your relationship with God. It has to be the infrastructure of your very existence. Prayer, number one. And then, like a policeman, you got to take charge. Have faith. Just like a policeman, don't tremble. You know, don't tremble. You know, read the word of God. Read the word. Read the word. Meditate. You know, uh, the Bible says Moses, uh, you know, when Moses was living and Joshua was taking over and, you know, God gave Joshua this command. You know, Joshua chapter, first chapter, verse 8. He says, Joshua, here, here it is. This is what you ought to do if you want to be successful. This book of the law must not depart from your mouth. Every day, every moment, every minute, you ought to meditate on it. Day and night, when you're in the bathroom, meditate on the word. When you go into the supermarket, meditate. You know, just make it a part of you. Meditate on the word of God all the time. Then you're going to see, you're gonna, it's going to become naturally. You're going to start walking in that authority that God has given you. Have faith. I've already said that. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Don't, neg don't negotiate with the enemy. Cast them out in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Until everything become, you know, everything bow down before our loving, our glorious, our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. Come on, rise up and give Jesus a praise this morning. Give Jesus a praise this morning. You've been listening to Sunday Sermons from Southside Christian Fellowship Church, a place where you are loved, accepted, and received, a place of healing, a place of prayer, a place of hope. We invite you to join us this Sunday and every Sunday. For service times, location, and other information about the church, please visit our website at southsidechristianfellowship.net. Again, that's southsidechristianfellowship.net. As we wrap up today's message, we would like to once again thank you for listening. We would like to also have Papa Herman to speak a Father's blessing over you. May the Lord bless and keep you, that he would cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, that the Lord would lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace. And remember that the Lord's favor is with you all the time. Expect it. It is with you. It's manifesting itself to you. It will overtake you no matter where you are. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.